Welcome to Sister Conversations with Ayana Blake, a healthy and safe space for women to collect inspirational tools, tips, and stories to become their best selves. Expect unfiltered truths and empowering strategies, along with compelling interviews and group discussions to become a more effective woman. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now, let's jump into our daily dose of practical sister conversations. Hello and welcome to Sister Conversations with me, Ayana Blake. I am live today and the women are in the house. Make some noise, ladies. Oh, yes, I am honored to be here with a room full of women committed to becoming more aware of their total self. I joined forces with the Women of Light Ministry at Macedonia Baptist Church in Arlington, Virginia to host a Women's Health Summit. And we have been here all afternoon learning and connecting with something we all have in common. And that's the responsibility of taking care of this temple that God has given to us. What a job, ladies. Oh, my. Praise God. We can do it. We've learned today that we have help and we don't have to do it alone. Today, I am honored to have with us talking about your total self, oral health with Dr. Natalia Thomas, physical health with Dr. Denise Bruner, and mental health with Sister Marcia Lefwich. Let's welcome our guest today. All right, so let's jump in. Ladies, we are joined by one of Arlington County's legends, Dr. Denise Bruner. Oh, man. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Tell us how long you've been practicing in Arlington County, and what is the biggest lesson you've learned since you've started? Well, um, I hate to admit my age, but uh, you all can calculate it from okay. what I say. Uh, I came out here in, I finished medical school in 1979, okay? Uh, my dear, dear daddy, he passed away in 1978. So one of the lessons I learned very early on, my father taught me, listen, listen very carefully to what your patient is telling you. Mm. Because he said, 95% of all illness is above the neck and between the ears, mm. okay? And even though he didn't see me graduate, basically as I opened, reopened the office, it was back in 1981, that's a lesson I always carried with me because if you're talking, you're not listening. And it's so imperative that you hear the voices of the people who are in front of you. That's good. Sister Marcia Lefwich, yes. ha ha. I um, met you when you came to do a post-show conversation for my show, Diagnosed. Yes. Phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, shameless plug, uh, Diagnosed will be in Baltimore June 2nd and 3rd. Mm. Okay, yes, everyone tickets. should go see it. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Amazing, amazing. Oh, thank you, thank you. 
women are at least twice as likely to experience an episode of major depression as men. Mm-hmm. And few African Americans receive any form of depression treatment. Why is that? Access. Hmm. Speak about that. Access and history. So in our history, we have learned and experienced a lack of trust with medical facilities and mental health facilities. The other piece of that is access and barriers. So some of the access is price. You know, you need a therapist or you need a counselor. It's not, it's not inexpensive. And the other thing is a lot of uh, women in our culture um, believe that if you go and see or talk to a therapist, it is an indictment of their faith or their strength. And we've, we're very resilient. There's nothing wrong with that. And most of us have been raised in the church. We pray about it. Um, however, we need to add another component, pray about it, go talk about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. And we might have to do a shirt about that. Yes, I think we should. Pray, pray, about, pray it. about it. Talk about yes. it. Yes. I give you credit, though, sis. Okay. I okay. I like I that. Pray about it. Pray about it and go talk about it. Mm-hmm. And go talk mm-hmm. about it. Absolutely. Y'all heard that right. All right. Dr. Natalia Thomas has a passion for dental health through education and quality dental care. She is currently practicing at Community of, of Health, D.C., located in the Bellevue neighborhood where she was raised okay dc okay (laughs) why stay and build a career in dc dr thomas one thing that i think um it feels really really good to give back um quality care right i've heard stories of really bad dentistry before um, i moved back to dc i would have family members telling me um you know bad experiences that they've had and i'm like I graduated from the number one dental school in the country. I should go back home and offer people that look like me this quality care that I'm giving um, to to people that live in Illinois. I was living and working in um, Chicago, and it just, at the time, it just didn't feel um, fulfilling. Hmm. And so I came back. um, Where I'm working now, I actually have treated my third grade teacher. Look at you. Um, And it's really come full circle for me to treat her and to and just to really offer her that care that she actually um, needs. Nice, nice. Third grade teacher. Yep. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Dr. Bruner, stressful life events such as death of a spouse or other family members, divorce, abuse, job loss, or financial problems are linked to higher incidence of heart attacks, strokes, and other types of cardiovascular disease in black women. We can't avoid life happening, of course. So what preventive measures should we put in place? Well, I think one of the things, and we heard this from Sister Lefwich, is self-care. We are always the ones, we are always, I would say women, we as sisters, are type A personalities. We are problem solvers at our own peril, okay? And I I can just say from a personal experience with my daddy passed away, um, he was not, he he was rich beyond any monetary amount, but he didn't have financial richness. But that richness, that community, 
that sense of belonging was what helped me through that very difficult times when people would come up and just reinforce my belief in my family. But I would say, because we do these many, many things, we do not take time to make our medical appointments hmm. because we are going, we're working three jobs. And I don't know of a physician who has office hours at 9 p.m. at night. Mm -hmm. So there's an access issue. There's a monetary issue. There's a racist issue mm -hmm. that we, we don't need to ignore that has been, that exists. Because again, as a lady of color, you go to a physician who may be a Caucasian physician and have complaints and it falls on deaf ears. Mm. It's just in your mind, mm -hmm. okay? And so, again, I think we as a community, as a faith community, as a family community, we can come together. We can all help each other out. Because I was so thrilled Kim asked me to come here. And we're honored to and have you. I was so happy because if I can help one person, it, it just, he's smiling, okay? Yeah. yeah, thank you, thank you. Talk to that race thing in your profession. Well, I will tell you, in terms of just going to school, I went to Howard. So again, I was amongst my peers mm -hmm. when I had always gone to predominantly white schools. So when I came out here to practice in Arlington, Virginia, one of the things that my father, again, Dr. Roland Bruder said, I asked him why he never had privileges at Arlington Hospital, okay? Mm. Why he never did. And he said, you know, when they desegregated, they asked me to join. He said, but I told them, if I wasn't good enough for you then, Ooh. I sure am not good enough for you now. And so, again, when I was there, at, even at Virginia Hospital Center, I, as an attending, I would have patients, and they would look to, at me and say, when's the doctor coming in? Oh. Okay? And I'm like... I am. So if you don't talk to me, you're going to sit here and die. Um, I didn't quite say that, but <laughs> I meant it, though. I meant it. Okay. Okay. And then I will never forget at the hospital, I had a patient there, and he was very, very difficult to control diabetic. And so I was going gingerly with uh, his care. And so one of the nurses went to the head of the Department of Medicine and said, you know, she doesn't know what she's doing, so she better ask for an endocrine consult. So he, he didn't even have the balls to come to me and say, hey, you know, what, you know, can you just explain what's going on? And, you know, but you play the game, right? Oh, my. Okay? Ask for the endocrine consult. The next day, my, hus my husband, <laughs> he wasn't my husband, the next day, that patient was in ICU mm. because his blood sugar had plummeted almost to a level where he died, okay? So I so nicely called the chair of medicine and I said, you know, I did get that consult. Again, that disrespecting of your knowledge, mm -hmm. that obvious disrespecting. And I said, so, you know, he ended up in ICU. 
blah, 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 is what I heard. And so, you know, but from then on, it, it was okay. And no one bothered me because I was okay. Ain't that something you had to prove yourself? Mm -hmm. Oh, my. Yes. Well, I'm sure they pulled it together. Oh, yes. They don't mess with me now. <laughs> <laughs> Sister Leftwich. Yes. So let's say, let's role play for okay. a second. So it's my first visit with okay. you. Mm -hmm. uh, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> and what is a popular common question you are guaranteed to be asked at the first mental health visit. Can you fix me? And you say? I don't fix. I don't fix people. I listen and I guide and I give suggestions, but my job is not to fix. That's God's job and their job through the work. So I don't fix, and, and you know, because people come feeling like what they're coming for is not normal. That's the other, that's the second question. Is this normal? Hmm. So everything that people come talk to me about is normal. I validate and normalize whatever they're experiencing because it's normal for them. Um, but the, the fixing thing, can you fix me? Or tell me what to do. It's like all along those lines. And it's really what I like to tell people is a lot of times you already know the answer. It's inside. It's like in your gut. You just don't know either how to process it to make a decision, or you don't know what to do with the information that you already have. Hmm. So I'm just a guide. Yeah. I fix, I don't fix. <laughs> May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. I get so excited about this month more and more as I grow in my mental health advocacy journey. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm always talking about mental health, mm -hmm. um, and I get excited about wearing my green, yeah. and folks ask, what's that? Mm -hmm. um, what do you try to do more of during this month? What I try to do more of, wow, that's a good question, because oh, I, I think, like, Thank you, I hi, like, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I'm trying to do more of is get the message out there mm. and make it louder and clearer, especially mm -hmm. in our community. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, like Black History Month, it needs to be every month. Yeah. So does Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. Because for so long, historically, we have not taken care of our mental health. And it's been a negative. I mean, think about like way back in the day, we all had that one uncle that was in the back room and you would take care of him and slide the tray under and all those things. You wouldn't talk about them. And, you know, we need to stop keeping everything a secret. Hmm. We need to stop making our mental health a secret if we're having a problem. So yeah. I think in this month, I would like to amplify that. Let's talk about it. Yeah. You know, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Let's talk about it and make it accessible. That's the thing. Like, a lot of us are afraid and we grew up with what went on in this house, stays in this house. And, and that keeps us in bondage. So I think like what I would like to do more of, you know, in this month in particular, is get the word out, especially to our people. Yeah. The marginalized populations where mental health has been a negative, it hasn't been accessible. You don't really see a lot of us on the other, you know, sitting on the other side of the chair and you're sitting on the couch. Yeah. It's mostly non 
you know, uh, people of color, although that's changing. Um, so I think I just want to get the word out more. Nice. Like, how can we help our community move through and have a better mental health? Yeah. Dr. Thomas, what is the downfall you see in black women in your area of expertise? And is there a remedy for us? Well, I think the downfall is actually not going to the dentist, being why, afraid. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, I think because people have had bad experiences. Um, I also think that, um, like you were saying, um, it's, it's, it's access, right? Um, it's the cost of, of dental care. Um, a lot of times my patients can't afford the dental care that they actually need. Um, it is expensive. Um, and if you don't have... Uh, insurance to cover and support the care that you need, then you're left to make some really like limited decisions about your oral health, mm -hmm. whether that's like getting your tooth removed or ignoring it mm -hmm. and taking an antibiotic that your son had from <laughs> two years ago <Yeah>. um, <laughs> or something that your doctor gave you that you didn't finish, which you're also causing uh, antibiotic resistance in your body. So it's, it's just, I think the access to care and fear mm -hmm. is, is, is our biggest downfall as it relates to oral health. Are there remedies for those? Remedies, I think, is finding a doctor that you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I find that a lot of my patients uh, come to me by word of mouth. They're like, go see her. She's down to earth. She will um, communicate with you well. You, you'll feel comfortable with her. Uh, and, I, and that makes me feel really good as, as, a, as a dental practitioner because I feel like they're getting the word out and they're going to auto automatically like start to spread that and, and get these other patients back, back in to see me. Um, so I think having a doctor that you can trust, having um, a place like where I work um, currently, it's a federally qualified health center. It's a community health center. Uh, we see patients regardless of their ability to pay, right? These centers are out here, right? But you just have to know where they are. Uh, you have to know that there are benefits um, that you can take advantage of for your health. So Nice, mm -hmm. nice. And isn't that something that we can find as black people? We can find where they're selling the latest Jordans. Right, mm -hmm. right. We will find. We will find it. <laughs> but when it comes to our health, we don't know anything. Yeah, we avoid. Uh, I, think it's, I think it also starts at home, right? Come on. I think we have to start having those conversations about taking care of ourselves in the home. Uh, and as women, of course, uh, I think, you know, we, we kind of guide the energy in our homes, yeah. right? When we start taking care of ourselves, when we start eating better, we start brushing our teeth better, our man will look at us and be like, okay, hold Come on, on, what you doing? Come on, look what this you way. doing? And then, you, and then you, you'll, you'll find him in the bathroom spending a little extra time That's right. taking care of himself, right? So I, th I think it's just a part of us taking care of ourselves That's right. as, as really we're, we're, we're the leads of the household. That's right. Because, you know, I, I have to put that uh, dental floss on this side for Billy Blake so he can get it. Right. Cause, and then when we go to the dentist, uh -huh. they say, Mr. Blake, have you been flossing? <laughs> and I look over there. Yes, he has. Uh -huh. Thanks to me. <clears throat> Thanks to me. Thanks right. To me. right. 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 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we have to start talking about it with our mothers, our, yeah. our grandparents, all of that good stuff. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. That's right. So this question is for each of you. What is one misconception black women have about their teeth, about obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, and mental health? And how do we work to dispel that misconception? Oh, was that another good question? It was. That was a very good question. I'm I'm in there. I'm I'm in there today. Pull up, ladies. Pull up. Pull up. (laughs) Yes, I got all three of them like, what? I got to think about this. I'm feeling it. Yes. Well, I think one of the biggest hurdles is just thinking we are big boned. We are big boned, okay? And that's what it is, okay? That when we look in the mirror, yeah, it's, it's okay. And again, in terms of, I, I go back to a question you said earlier, access to care. Mm. Because physicians have not talked to people about the impact that their weight has on medical problems. You know, and they're trying to spend as little time as possible, and you know, you just you you get it glossed over, okay? And so, it's hard for us, even if we look at each other. We I did a survey and asking people who were overweight, you know, are you overweight? And fifty percent of them said no. And, and so, again, it, it was kind of the perception. So I think there's an awareness, and there, there's an awareness, too, that the medical conditions associated with obesity can be modifiable by simply a small weight loss. Because we want to go back and be what we were in high school. Uh-oh, throw them jeans away, sis. Throw them away. You know, and, and that's not really a realistic goal. And I think we've gone into these fad diets and, you know, thinking, oh, if I don't lose the weight with this, I'm a failure. You know, and I'm not going to try it. So I think understanding that slow and steady it's a journey and modifying what you can modify. That's it. You can't, as I said, you can't t- change your genes, but modify what's in your power. And like Sister Leftwood said, be mindful. Be mindful and I consistent is my message. Now that I'm thinking about it more, mm-hmm. I think the misconception is the first uh, six teeth in the front. And the, <laughs> on the top and the bottom mm. is, is, is as long as those are white mm. and, and bright, mm. then everything is all right. Sis, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, sis. Uh-uh, I can't let you go past no. that one. Is that what the saints are saying to themselves? I, I think so. Oh, sis. Be- because, because I have what? more patients mm-hmm. concerned about the front? getting the front. Mm-hmm. Like, if my front are okay, I can smile. I'm all right in the back. And then the, your back teeth are, like, broken down. What? They're hurting. They're taking ibuprofen. They're avoiding going to the dentist. But my fronts are okay, so mm-hmm. I'm okay. I'm good. No, that's not okay. So the saints are talking, not opening their mouth all the way? Not, no, they, yeah, yeah, they, they keep, they're keeping it cute. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> keeping it cute. Wow. 
Okay, sis. Somebody got to see them back teeth. Yeah. So go on yeah. and set yourself free. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I'm sorry. That was funny. I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you think about it. I've, I've, I've known people like that. Their yeah. fronts are great. And then this part. Oh, the fronts are great. And then back here. Mm. And it oh. smells bad. Mm. And it smells bad. Oh, I mean, there well. are many people who have great front teeth, and then you like from here back, it's either nothing. missing or nothing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, seriously. Yes. Mm -hmm. And especially men, but we won't go. Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Come on, yeah, fellas. All, if you're listening, all teeth <laughs> make, matter. All, all teeth matter. That's another so shirt. That, yeah, you know what? Yes, all teeth. Like, oh man! When you smile and talk, we need to see them all. I'm just saying. Okay, that's a different conversation. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. Sorry, misconception, <laughs> mental health. So, yeah. So the biggest mi misconception of mental health is once you start that mental health journey, that it's a destination. Mm. It is not an endpoint. Once you start working on your mental health, it is a journey until you are on the other side, if you do your work and you take it seriously. So a lot of the biggest misconception is, oh, I'm gonna come to you for this and then I'm done. No, because we're gonna talk about this and this is gonna lead to something else. And literally it usually leads back to your childhood. Oh my. And I'm a big, big proponent of healing those childhood <sighs> scars so that you can live in victory and abundance moving forward. Ooh. Because those things keep us bound no matter how intentional our parents or grandparents or aunties were, some of the things that we experienced. So I think that, that the biggest misconception is, I'm just coming for this and then I'm done. No, it opens up a whole world. And then the journey continues. There's yeah. always something. Like I believe healing is, is an evolutionary process. Yes. It doesn't end nice. once, you, once you start. Nice. So we want to get the women involved that are here. Y'all are still here, right? Yeah. So we're going to ask a couple of brief, to-the-point questions to our panelists. If you have a question, uh, quickly move to the mic. Well, all three of you, um, discuss process. Because I think people, when you were talking about I'm coming for this one thing and we'll fix that, but it usually is a process of many, many things. So can you get a little more in depth in all areas, especially with dental? Mm -hmm. You know, people always associate dental with pain, mm -hmm. and it's not always that. So I think, I think the process for um, oral health, uh, you want to make you an appointment, right? Find you a dentist that you trust, but then also you make that appointment and you go in for your examination, right? Uh, you don't want to go into the dental office and say, I just want to clean and I'm just here for cleaning because that's what a lot of my patients will do. They think that having the cleaning done is how we care for our teeth. And that is not the only way. You need to find out what might be going on in your mouth. Uh, so you wanna get that examination because during that exam, we actually can find out whether you actually need a simple cleaning or if you need a deep cleaning, like a scaling and root planing. But you won't find that out if we just you just come in and tell me to clean up your teeth uh, if you've avoided going to the dentist. So 
You make your examination appointment. You get a treatment plan. You talk it over with your dentist about that treatment plan. You can also get a second opinion if you don't trust what the dentist said because I mean, clearly people have had really bad experiences. Go somewhere else. Get another examination. Take your x-rays. Get a copy of your x-rays and take it to another dentist and ask them their opinion. Um, and then go from there. Calling. That's the biggest step. And then you have a brief conversation on the phone just to get a high level of what's going on. And then you make your appointment. So the first thing after you make your appointment is the consultation. So the consultation is literally you and that mental health clinician sitting down and having a conversation about what your concerns are, the things that you want to work on, and to really see if you're going to be a good fit with that particular clinician. The next appointment would be your intake, where you go a little deeper into what you want to work on, but also some historical questions, some things about your mental health, maybe some childhood things. Um, that's the second appointment. And then your third appointment is when you start to get deeper into what it is you want to work on, but also like the third or fourth appointment, technically, um, you and the clinician start to make up kind of some uh, goals and things that you want to work towards. And then a treatment plan is developed. And so um, the course of treatment depends on what it is they want to work on and how long that's going to take. But you should have someone that has a plan and everyone should be part of their plan. So like as a clinician, I don't set goals for the people that I talk to, I see. They set their goals, I guide them through their goals. And as we're moving through that, if they need to be adjusted, we have a conversation about that, or if they need to be expanded or extended. And then we check in periodically through our time together, like, are you hitting the goals or how do you feel you're moving toward this goal? Um, and so it's not just this ambigu ambiguous thing that's just happening. There's like a roadmap to guide them to where they're trying to end up with their healing? For me, uh, as I'm an obesity medicine specialist, I focus on that entity of obesity. But you remember that slide I showed you with over 229 things that also are impacted by obesity? So let me just go back and say, we have 34 million diabetics. And yes, in this country, 34 million. And we have 8,500 endocrinologists to treat those diabetics. We have 100 million obese people, and we only have 3,500 specialists who are trained in obesity medicine. So 3,400. Okay, so there's a great disparity, and I think what one of my focuses is is education of practitioners, so that when you go to your primary care physician and you have diabetes or you have high blood pressure or some kind of cardiovascular disease, that that person not only discusses treatment options with you for that entity, but also preventive, being proactive, as opposed to reactive to that condition. So that can minimize the medications you have. Uh, because when I was at DC General, I used to think I was putting Band-Aids on hemorrhages. Because literally, we'd have the diabetics, they'd come in and say, hey, you know, you do a diet history. I'm having three pies a day. And look, I, I just, I think I need my insulin increased. <laughs> and you know, you're thinking, my God, we need some education here. 
you know, so, so again, I do a lot in my practice, but again, it's a very specialized one because I'm hoping to treat that whole individual and to get them healthier on a journey and understanding it's a lifestyle journey. It's not, I'm doing this for 10 weeks and I'm done. How do you deal with our people <laughs> daily, I'm going to say it, who don't want to stop eating the fried chicken, who don't want to stop eating the pie, who don't... Who will not throw the Lowry's away. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't know what that is? <laughs> that seasonal, seasonal? Seasonal. How do you deal with that? First, with prayer and patience. Come on. Okay. <laughs> with, with, with prayer and patience, okay? And then I say, the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. So let's look at that family and let's look at what they did and what their conditions were. And look, just look in that mirror and that's where you're headed. So it's your choice. It's your choice to, to live and be healthier because listen this life is precious isn't it yes. every day we have is precious and to waste it because of just i don't care i i you know it's easy but i can make such healthier choices just understanding but giving them the educational tools not just say don't eat it but give them tools so that they can change. That's so important. Because I don't care. If, if you say, well, you don't need to do that. Just like the kids. Don't need to do that. Well, what do I need to do? you got to give them solutions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. So what if you are that person that you do have those cravings and... Uh-uh. Yes. What if you are? Yes. Ooh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's be real. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love ice cream. Mm-hmm. I love ice cream. Mm-hmm. And, and matter of fact, I'll tell my friends any day that we could go. We go Dairy Queen. I like sprinkles. <laughs> I like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like the desire is very strong mm-hmm. to have it. Mm-hmm. And for years. Mm-hmm. And some days I, I do good. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. days, I, right now, I ain't gonna lie. I want a banana split. <laughs> so after my, today, at, even after today, I, I still want a little. But mm-hmm. but just how do you fight that battle? I mean, like you want to be healthy, you desire to be healthy, and mentally you're trying, physically you're trying, and sometimes you succumb to. I don't want to. How how do you deal with that? I think this is like a two answer, the mental health part and then the physical part. And so part of it is really understanding if this if this craving that you have to have ice cream has been happening forever, say, right, I would suggest that you really begin to look at when did that start happening? When did you start to fill something or a void or something or satisfy something with the ice cream? There's nothing wrong with ice cream in moderation, right? But the way that you were describing it, it it appears that it's either to fill or celebrate or um, 
satisfy something more of a habitual type of thing as as opposed to like okay i want some ice cream today but i would say like if you were sitting in front of me i'd say okay well, let's let's look at when did you first start using ice cream to whatever and honestly if you were to think about it you'd begin to figure out why ice cream is like your go-to and why it's more right now something you have to have as opposed to something that you could do more in moderation and i think the other part of it becomes one of the things we understand in terms of drivers for hunger are is the hormone insulin and basically it would be important to know what you had been doing and how you had been eating prior to getting these cravings and if in fact you were in essence because a lot of us think if we just deprive ourselves for a day or two you know then we can we can have whatever we want but you see that set, sets up a chemical imbalance in the body and again remember we walked this planet millions of years ago so our drive to eat and survive is going to not I don't like to use the word trump but trump <laughs> sorry <laughs> I know that hurt sorry I'll say circumvent override 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 other things okay so so cognitively in your mind you can know really I don't want it but because of the things that you haven't had or that maybe your insulin level was high then you you you're you know that's a craving and then again if you went to there are are you know again we have to understand are there psychological mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. issues going on but if it's purely a chemical issue then there are certain medications that might be helpful in that sense all right let's give our three experts some love good god almighty we could go on and on such richness and one thing that i have taken away from today, me, myself, is that everything is connected. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I mm -hmm. took that away from today. And in that, the mind, the body, all of it has some type of connection to something. And when you're feeding something, you're feeding something else. And when you're depriving yourself of something, you're depriving your total self. Did you all enjoy today? Ah, your total self. So I want to thank Dr. Natalia Thomas and Dr. Denise Bruner. Arlington County's royalty. <laughs> and Sister Marcia Leftwich for joining us yes. today. I also want to thank the ladies that are live in the audience. Give yourselves some love. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Sister Conversations with Ayana Blake. Be sure to subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast app and sign up to join our email list at www 
sisterconversations.com. See you next week. And don't forget, bring a sister with you.